Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Jess Sato. Jess is passionate about helping women globally use their unique skills expertise, and voice to create opportunities for themselves and others. She does this by equipping and empowering female founders to grow profitable businesses by identifying their big idea and using it as their competitive advantage. Jess is a TEDx speaker coach, and over the last four years, she served as the speaker director for TEDx Franklin, a speaker coach for TEDx Breckenridge, and through her work has helped over 20 thought leaders step on the stage with confidence, clarity around their big idea, and a commitment to change the world. I'm so excited to have you here today, Jess. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Well, Jess, let's talk about this idea of unique skills, expertise, and voice. And let's talk a little bit about you. When you were a little, were there particular unique skills and talents and gifts that you're aware of today, like looking back that, that you had and that you've now developed and are using in your business today? A really good question. I don't know if I would say special skills or talents, but one of the things about my childhood that I think is unique, that gave me a unique vantage point on the world and how I think about people stemmed from growing up in Egypt. And I was about 10 years old when we moved there and we lived there for about four years. And in that time, I gained a deeper appreciation for, you know, being an American, but I also learned how powerful it is to have bridges, right? There were bridges of, you know, people who spoke English to Arabic and Arabic to English, right? There were people who were bridging the gap of service to one another. And that has translated over time to, I think, maybe my unique skill, if you want to call it that, of really being able to connect with people easily and help them feel comfortable you know, at a really rapid pace. And that has served me really well over the years as a facilitator, as a coach, as a strategist, right? really being able to build relationships. So, you know, I think about how to facilitate or be a bridge myself because of some of those experiences. And it has shaped the way in which I choose to do business, who I choose to do business with, and even those big passion projects that are actually taking me back to Egypt. So it's, you know, it's sort of like that one experience way back in the day has shaped 
a lot of things that I don't know if I had the appreciation to realize it in the moment, probably not. But now it has, I think, really, really served me well. I love that. It's interesting because I grew up in the next town over from where I am right now. And as a child, I just could not wait to get out. Right. And now I literally almost all of my time off, I am going into my hometown. Yeah. And cultivating that gratitude and a sense of appreciation for how it shaped me. So I love that, the Egypt story. That's great, Jess. So let's talk about this idea of of being a female founder. Mm. You know, before we got live here, you and I were having a little conversation about you had listened to one of the episodes Mm. and it was an episode that was talking about the kind of the invisible labor and the unpaid, uncompensated labor as females have begun to propagate in the world of business, from my perspective, I mean, I did it to myself. I think that we have a propensity to do a lot of this unpaid, uncompensated, invisible things in our life and in our business. So let's talk about what it is like for a female founder And what are some of the things that you see that can either make or break a female founder as she's proceeding in her business dream? That's a great question. So I think, you know, female founders are, you know, exactly what that sounds like. Women who are founding companies, typically using some passion area or some expertise that they've cultivated in some way, shape or form. And A lot of times I think, you know, when it comes to this invisible work, especially in the startup stage, but I think it continues well beyond that. There is a propensity to go above and beyond, right? We think of it as over-delivering because we want to be in service, but, and while I think maybe sometimes clients appreciate it, I think they don't realize that's what you're doing. And so there's this invisibility to that kind of work that ultimately ends up impacting, I think negatively impacting your energy, your time, and let's be honest, the money, right? Because time, your time is the most valuable thing you've got. So I think there's that piece to it. I think the other part of that is And I'd have to think about this a little bit more, but I I think there's something to the way in which we set our prices that speaks to not necessarily the invisibility of the work, but the being a little bit, a little bit scared or worried about what people think. And so because of that, we end up doing exactly what I just said, over delivering and undercharging. And so it's this really bad cycle that we get into that is really hard to get out of. I mean, almost every, I mean, myself included, almost every business owner I know who is a woman is significantly undercharging for the work that she does when compared to her male counterparts. And over time, you know, this is the kind of thing that either leads us to burnout, right? Because we're doing too much. Mm. We're not getting compensated. We can't hire the people we need in order to do the actual work and take some of those burdens off of us, or it runs us out of business, quite honestly, Mm -hmm. because again, we're 
the boundaries around all that. So, you know, invisible work to me is a real challenge, but it's rooted in a sense of scarcity, a sense of people pleasing, Mm -hmm. a desire to, you know, really look good. And that's, I think, over time becomes really, really problematic. Yeah, I don't disagree with you at all. And what's interesting is when you talked initially here about over-delivering, you said, because we want to be in service, there's this idea that if we overgive, that's in service. And and really what I'm hearing you say, Jess, and I will affirm it, is over-delivering is ultimately not in service to anyone. Right. Because if your business goes out of business or you burn out, it's certainly not in service to your clients. And so let's talk about the communication piece, because one of the things that I've discovered and, and you know, communication for you is a big piece of what you do, helping your founders to really not just get their big idea, but communicate it in a way that's compelling and hopefully cash flowing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, what I have found is first I have to communicate to myself. Right. Yeah. Oops, I think I'm squishing here, or I I see myself in this pattern of wanting to please, or you know, squeezing my pricing a little bit, or I mean, I don't do that anymore at all, but I did at one mm-hmm. point, and so I'd love to have you talk about not only this idea of communicating to the outer world, but how do you help your women communicate to themselves? and really clarify the value so that they can then communicate it to the external world in a way that's successful and profitable? Yeah, great question. So one of the things I talk about a lot, you know, this comes from the whole idea of TEDx, right? Or TED, you know, this big idea. Mm -hmm. And I think there's this belief that And this is not just among women, but I do think, again, sort of like what we've already been talking about, it affects women this way, where we tend to minimize our ideas. We think, oh, my idea isn't big enough, or who am I to be talking about fill in the blank, right? And so a lot of the work I do is around, A, helping people figure out what their big idea is, right? Because it's usually pretty muddled and it's hard to articulate, So we figure out what is the big idea. And then we talk about why are they uniquely qualified to talk about it. And this goes back to not just, you know, your academic or professional experience, but in many cases, our lived experience. And when we can kind of get out in front of, you know, this qualification idea, that's where I think we start to see some of those shifts in how people think and feel about their idea, how they think and feel about their ability to communicate the idea and why they are, you know, like I said, uniquely qualified to do that. And then from there, it becomes much easier to get the idea out in the world, right? Because now we've done the hard work of excavating and polishing it up so that it's concise, it's articulate, it's, you know, meaningful and purposeful. And then you know why you should be the one talking about it. That to me, I think that affirming behavior of really trying to understand what is it that I bring to the table and why is this important? I think that's the other piece. Why is this an important message right now? You know, if you look at, you know, the TEDx stage, for example, a lot of the applications that people 
go through, ask sort of those three or four questions. What's your big idea? Why you? And why is it relevant right now? And if you can answer those three questions for yourself, right? This is not about an application. This is not about a stage. This is just when we can answer those things about our thoughts and our deep beliefs, then it becomes much easier to put it out into the world to then begin to use it as part of our competitive advantage to weave it into the business strategy and so on and so forth. So, you know, a a lot of that work starts with you going deep and Mm -hmm. figuring out, what do I really believe about fill in the blank? topic. Right. Beautiful. We're already at the break. It's amazing. You know, you can always tell you're with a great communicator because it feels like time has expanded. And then you look at the clock and you're like, oh, we're already at the break. So we are going to take a quick break and we could be smart women. We could use your help. If you are enjoying the show, please consider joining our community, making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com and sharing with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. Help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so that we can serve them too. I am really excited to let you know that we have been selected as a finalist in the Sonic Bloom Awards, which is a brand new award thing that has come out from the She Podcasts community. And we just found out that we have been selected as a finalist. We won't know until several months from now whether we won, but we are celebrating. Let me ring my bell that we were selected as a finalist, that the show was selected as a finalist. And I want to thank all of our listeners and, of course, our guests who make our show so wonderful, but mostly our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We are welcoming thousands and thousands of downloads from all over the world. And I want to shout out this week to our listeners in Bhutan, let's see, Bermuda, and we're doing bees, Bulgaria. And we will be right back with Jess Sato. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design? A life that is an extraordinary work of art. Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition. Women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your Wealthy Life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with Jess Sato. You can find out more about her at jessicasato.com. We will have that information for you in the show notes. And so before we went to the break, Jess, we were talking about this idea of, you know, affirming the big idea, affirming the big idea. And most of these big ideas, I would assume, come because it is part of this person, this female founder's purpose. So let's talk a little bit about purpose and what our listeners can find at jessicasato.com relative to this purpose idea. Yeah, great. So one of the things that I have found, you know, I've been an entrepreneur now for 
12, 13 years. And the reasons that we start our businesses in the early days are great reasons usually. But the longer you're in this process, the more those ideas start to get fully baked. They shift and they realign based on what you're doing at any given time. And I found that along the way, more often than not, we sort of lose lose the plot because we're stuck in the grind. We're doing all the hard work to build the business. And there comes a point where you look at your business and you're like, what am I doing here? Why am I doing this business? I think of it, I mean, it's the exact same journey I had when I was in corporate. You know, I did all the things, climbed the ladder, I got to the top and I'm like, why am I doing this again? And I think the same happens in business. And so a big part of the work is going back and figuring out why do I want to build this business? Like what is the actual impact that I want to make in the world. And I, I use the word world loosely. It doesn't have to be big global world. It could be your local community. But why are we doing the work? What is the impact that we really want to make? And when you dig into that question, it becomes very clear that there's usually some deeper purpose behind all of the effort that we're doing. So for some people, it could be, you know, they they have a cause in particular that they care about. For others, it could be, you know, really wanting to create more freedom in whatever way, shape or form that takes for themselves and for their families. There's just a plethora of reasons, but there's always something and it morphs and changes over time. And then comes the hard work of making sure that the business that you've built or the career you built if you're in a in a job aligns with that purpose is it going to allow you to be doing your best work in whatever way shape or form that takes and so the work i do a lot of times is like i said digging into what is that big idea what's the purpose the passion behind everything and then using that as the foundation building all the elements into the business so that when you begin to take action it now feels deeply deeply aligned Mm-hmm. So there's a whole host of questions that you could ask yourself about, you know, am I in alignment? And there's a whole resource guide on my website if people are interested, but, you know, really digging into getting people to think about, is my purpose clear in my own mind? How am I talking about that? And using that as part of my competitive advantage, right? Because people want to understand who you are as a leader. They want to understand what the business is all about. And is it woven throughout the business? Mm, Beautiful. I love it. So, you know, one of the things I'm going to just bring us back to, which we talked about before we went to the break, is the purpose of a business is to be profitable. Absolutely. That that is the, the purpose of a business. And yes, we can also utilize our business as a tool for social and, you know, collective impact. Yep. However, it is also the purpose of the business is to be profitable. One of the things I like to say is whenever I'm out speaking, right, and, and we use speaking, we use speaking, whether it's a TEDx talk or something else, podcast interviews, et cetera. When I'm out speaking, my speaking serves my business, yep. my business serves my life yep. and my life serves my purpose. Absolutely. 
So I would imagine, considering you've done a lot of work with TED and, and helping people to get prepared for a TEDx, that there may be people who show up on your doorstep who are like hot on fire to do a TED talk, but they don't even have a business yet. And so tell us, are those your people or, you know, do you help those people in some other way or refer them out? Because I can guarantee you there are people out there possibly even listening that are saying, TED Talk, I have to do a (laughs) TED Talk, right? And they they don't even know the first thing about making a sale. So can we talk about like, who are the best people for you to work with, Joss? Yeah. So one thing before I answer that, I just want to honor what you said about you know, the purpose of a business is about profitability. And at the same time, there is a deep calling by consumers to be, you know, purposeful, to have really positive impact on people, to be really intentional about how we engage with the planet. And so it's becoming, you know, you may have heard the term quadruple bottom line. I mean, it's really becoming more than just about profit, but you cannot run a business that isn't profitable. And I think we always have to go back to that. Like we need to balance these other initiatives, people, planet, purpose with the profitability. And the further you get down the line, the more sustainable it becomes, it's easier to incorporate these other pieces. So I just wanted to say that right off the get-go. Yeah. As for TEDx, So I believe that the TEDx stage is for everyone. The people I tend to work with, though, are often entrepreneurs or thought leaders in their particular field. So maybe they aren't, you know, maybe they don't have a business of their own, but they are out there really leading the charge, you know, whether that's from an academic perspective, could be from a professional capacity in whatever field they happen to be in. One of the things that's unique about the TEDx stage that's not like any others is that it's a non-commercial platform. So you can't sell anything, but the key is, you know, using or leveraging that TED Mm -hmm. talk for, you know, as part of your larger thought leadership, as part of that competitive advantage. And I think this is a piece, you know, whether it's TEDx or any other stage, like you said, podcasting could be blogging is how do we get our thought leadership out there and how do we use that as part of our larger messaging strategy, our marketing strategy, et cetera. So, you know, one of the questions I ask every person who comes to me is why do you want to do a TED talk? You know, there are some people, and I've had clients like this, who they're like, it's just on my bucket list. And I really want to talk. I really have this idea and I want to share it. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. Right. I'm more power to you. I'd love to help you use your voice because I do believe that really positive things come when we are bold and courageous and put those big ideas out in the world. But the vast majority of the people I work with tend to be women who know that they have something to offer, but they can't quite get to the bottom of it and need the help excavating. And I really do think of it as an excavation process, like getting beneath the surface and figuring out what is it that I really want to say and what's not being said that should be said. And it's those, the answer to those two questions usually gets you started on the journey to figuring out what is your big idea and how can I use that to do good in the world, to set myself apart from other people in the industry. So yeah, mostly mostly female founders are, are who I work with. Beautiful. So the last sort of question, I think with the time that we have left that I want to put into the space is for women in general over the last several thousand years, 
the voice has been suppressed, mm -hmm. right? And so part of this excavation that you do to get to the big idea, I'm curious how much you also like do work with these women to assist them to feel affirmed and even speaking. Yeah, we do talk about that a bit, a fair bit, right? That gets to some of that courageousness about putting your idea out there, right? Because we live in a society that is actively suppressing women's voices in many different ways. And so we talk about what is it costing you to not speak? And I think this is a really important question. And I'll just say, you know, my experience growing up in a country where you don't have the freedom to say the things that you really want to say, the experiences I had growing up in, you know, different religious practices that, again, suppress the voices that women have and their ideas has really helped me actively want to shift this narrative for women, right? Because we do have really valuable ideas. In fact, we're more than 50% of the global population. So if we're not saying what we really want to say, if we're not courageous and bold to sort of push the boundaries, then nothing changes. And I feel very strongly that women have a unique gift. They have unique ideas. They have unique ways of solving problems that men, God love them, cannot, cannot touch in the same way that we do. And so, you know, some of it is just acknowledging that there's fear that maybe they have wounding and trauma associated with the use of their voice and then actively helping them work through that, finding the thing again that makes them qualified and gives them a sense of courage to be bold, to actually put their big ideas out into the world. Mm, I love it. All right. If there was one last thing you wanted to say to our listeners, Jess, what would it be? I would encourage people to ask themselves, what in the world would change if you said what you wanted to say? Yum. Well, I've got the tingle on that. <laughs> what in the world would change, ladies, if you said what you wanted to say? And, you know, I think for our listeners who are in those countries around the world where there's even more suppression, I would encourage you to start just by journaling say like getting it out of you say what you need to say into your private diary at the very least and that's going to start to prime the pump and allow you to feel even more maybe relieved and capable and courageous and bold in taking the next step so thank you so much jess listeners we do love feedback please let us know what you think of today's episode Go right now to www.wickedlysmartwomen.com to join our community, share your takeaways, ask questions, or submit guest suggestions. Thank you so much for tuning in. Keep your ears open and your mouths open too. <laughs> and remember you, a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.